Welcome to Crossing Broadcast, the only 7 for 7 Philadelphia sports podcast, brought to you today by Cinch by Amerigas. We'll get back to them in a little bit. Kevin, it's lovely to sit across from you face to face. I just asked you to count it down, and you said, I don't count it down, and then you just turned and stared at the camera, and you started talking. Yeah. I wasn't even close to being ready. I can tell. But I'm always ready anyway. I like the grout fit going on from, uh, from waist well, up. Well, listen, I, you know, we, uh, I got to be honest, we were not uh, planning to do the video podcast today. This was not uh, something that we had thought about ahead of time. Um, I hope my, <laughs> my, my raggedy West Virginia t-shirt is okay. Or as they everybody. call it in West Virginia, a suit. A suit. Um, we came, I came all the way up to the office in uh, Doylestown today for a meeting. Crossing Broad meeting, and I was like, well, we're all here. Let's do a podcast. And we got Craig behind the camera. I was like, well, we have a camera, and we have video, and we have mics and everything, so let's do a video podcast. So here we are. A podcast. So here we are. But, Russ, I know that you, um, I know that you uh, are very happy with your town, your team, your 76ers right now. So uh, yeah. I feel like I should just seed the floor the table, seed the table to you. First of all, a high quality table. <laughs> I know that the viewers are going to see it. The people who are listening are going to be like, well, how nice is this table? Yeah. Um, it is a nice fold-out card table that myself and intern Joe have been, uh, have been using. Yeah. We spare no expense. No, it's, um, for, uh, it's sturdy. It's good. It gets the job done. You know, it holds things up. It holds things on it. I don't really think there's much more that you need. I, I think we could say that the Philadelphia 76ers at the end of last season were like this card table. They did the job. They were somewhat reliable. But really you knew that in three to five years this could be an absolute unmitigated disaster. Go on. The Philadelphia 76ers going into the 2019-2020 season, granted, they're not done yet, is like a nicer Ikea desk. Mm-hmm. Right, which we have in some of the other rooms. Yeah. Right? Maybe you just like randomly just walk in. But like they, they are now a sturdy, functioning, good-looking team. And I'm not just saying because Mike Scott's back and the, the Mike Scott Hive <laughs> is back the Mike Scott with some tasteful Hive tattoos. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I look at this team now with Al Horford in the fold. And I think about not only does Joel Embiid now not have to go up against one of his nemesis. His, but I think nemesis? Nemesis? Um, Can we get a I, ruling on that from somebody? Anybody? No? Joe. We got intern Joe. Intern Joe is um, going to be over on the fact check. That's on you. Look up um, the plural of nemesis. The plural of nemesis. Nemesis sounds right. Okay. Look, Joe, we need, we need a fact check. Nemesis. Okay. Um, it's but, addition by subtraction because the guy who was Joel's biggest pain in the ass for the last couple of years is now his teammate, so no issues there. I didn't realize, that, about I didn't that. realize Marcus Gasol signed with I'm just kidding. And think about, think about in practice, too. Joel gets to go up against Al Horford every day, yep. you know, if they want to. Um, and Al Horford can say, here's how I limited you all these <laughs> the last couple of years, yeah. so it's like right, you know, it's the best uh, best thing you could have in that department for sure. I think a couple good takeaways, you know, the Boston media, especially. I I said to my wife yesterday, we went down to the uh, down to the beach. I don't say down the shore because I'm not from this area, mm-hmm. as some people know. Um, we yeah. went to the beach, and I said, I want to listen to Bill Simmons just for a little bit because I want to drink the the salty tears of a Boston fan. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that 
it felt like for the last 36 or so hours, it's just been constant Boston reporter after Boston reporter saying something to the effect of, good for Al Horford being able to go out and get a deal that I think a lot of people thought was going to be more than he was going to get, especially from Boston. The rumor was that they were going to go three years, $85 million. The Sixers come in with a $109 million offer, mm-hmm. although some of that is contingent on championships, which obviously they'll hit. Um, but just seeing the Boston media and Boston fans not be able to say anything negative about Al Horford, except for the fact that they feel like he's a traitor SSOB, mm-hmm. that's okay to me. I mean, you don't, you don't see the Boston fans saying, well, Horford couldn't do this. And now Ennis Cantor, who they signed to a two-year deal, is going to be better because of X, Y, Z. It's just not happening. Think about Warford as a guy who has stated multiple times publicly, and it's been intimated in, in private to the media, that he's a guy who's more comfortable playing at the power forward position. You look at what he's been able to do over the last few years when he's had to be in lineups with guys like Aaron Baines. And I think of this now kind of creates a whole new layer of offensive possibility for the Sixers. Mm-hmm. You think about how many times Joel Embiid was trailing a play and it became a, a moment where he's effectively in an ISO waiting for either a screen to come or he pops a three. Al Horford is a better shooter from three. It's still not a shot that I'm necessarily the most enthused about. Mm-hmm. But I think Al Horford being that trailer guy, this is a good thing. Having Joel and knowing that he has a propensity to probably put up about three, four threes, likely a game next season... Knowing that if he's out there, you still have a dominant post presence in Al Horford, I think is also a nice thing. That he's set up under the hoop. Uh, you know that guys are, are going to be looking to you know, maybe cheat off of Ben Simmons, but now you've got somebody else who's going to you know, keep them honest from free throw line in, and even to some extent can extend range in Horford. All right, so let's go macro here. Yeah. Uh, Al Horford, 6'10". Tobias Harris, 6'9". Joel Embiid, 7'2". Uh, ben Simmons, six foot ten. Josh Richardson, six foot six. Uh, that's a starting lineup. And then uh, let's do this. Is let's just say that this is the exercise. We always like to do an exercise on the podcast. So this stand is, up for this one. My exercise is just writing down the starting lineup on the on a piece of paper. Uh, Mike Scott, six eight. Uh, Kyle O'Quinn, six ten. Matisse Thybul, six six. Uh, okay, you get the point, right? Uh, I'm looking at Zaire's this is the, this is a Zaire six four six Zaire's six four six, four, six, six five. five. This is a monstrously large. This might be the biggest lineup I've ever seen in my entire life. And the Sixers were a top four or, they were, or a top five rebounding team last year. They were uh, defensive. Defensively, they were much better in the playoffs than they were in the regular season. I don't remember what the defensive they went from, rate I think, was. Third to fourteenth overall. Yeah, yeah. Um, this this team could very easily be a top three defensive team and a top three rebounding team. I mean, <laughs> how many offensive rebounds do you see this group giving up? Six ten, six nine, seven two, six ten, six six. I just don't. It, it's very interesting to see just how big they're going. And as of right now, as of three uh, three seventeen on Tuesday afternoon, um, they need. Backcourt help. They got f- tons of frontcourt players, power forward, small forward. I mean, you got Ben Simmons as your point guard. Who's your backup point guard? You don't really have one right now. Let's bring Nolan, back TJ. Right now, Shake, Shake can, can, can handle the ball with the second team. Zaire's probably like your two guard off the bench. If Thibel can play there, you can play small forward. Um, I, I see a team that could be one of the best defensive teams and rebounding teams in the NBA. I just, there's going to be some rough. Some rough ass offensive possessions with this team, because 
Al Horford, um, sure, he can shoot the three. 30, what's the career, 36% three-point shooter. Tobias Harris, career 37, I think he's up to now. And keep I in think mind Tobi- that he, I think shot, Tobias he shot, has I think, a, a career lower or since his rookie season when he came over to the Sixers. Yeah, 32% with the Sixers last year. I think it was 42% when he was um, playing with the Clippers last year. Yeah. Um, ben Simmons, that's a huge question mark. Josh Richardson was like a 35, 36, 30%, something in that range, uh, three-point shooter. Um, and Embiid, so like I... I you do have because I'm listening to people saying like who's ta- who's like taking the last shot right or who's your go-to guy because because Jimmy Butler and JJ Redick, uh, correct in the past year or two years with JJ if Brett Brown's going to somebody at the end of a game Redick would get those play calls or Jimmy Butler I don't want to call it a play call they just give it to him have him play pick and roll you know so um, actually I'll toss it back to you with this. Uh, out of that group of five people, like let's 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 just fast forward and say we're in a, a clutch fourth quarter situation, or overtime situation, or something. Who's taking the final shot for you? And are you like even really concerned about that? Like that's, that's what I hear people griping about. Like who takes the final shot? Who's the like go to guy here? I could see Tobias Harris taking a bigger role. Yeah, I, and I think that Joel Embiid, you can always you can always draw something up for him, get him post look. You know? Let me ambiguously answer your question. Okay, with a side tangent. The reason that Tobias Harris being back and Jimmy Butler not is such a big deal is because now Tobias Harris goes from being effectively your fourth option offensively, probably third option shooting, yeah, yeah, yeah. to being. So are you a believer? Are you third. a believer that Tobias Tobias was was marginalized and ended up standing in the corner while watching Jimmy Butler play play middle pick and roll with Joel Embiid and I think that's part of this. Boban and other people, you know. I think it's part of being able to kind of. To build some comfort within the system, touching the ball more mm-hmm. on a on a higher number of offensive possessions and getting it in a spot that he's more comfortable in. You know, we think of Jimmy Iso ball where Ben was relegated to being in the dunker spot. It felt like Tobias a lot of yeah, times was, was also just kind of stagnant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, for for all of his flaws and all of his positives, Ben Simmons, you know, we come back to again and again the the need, the the fact of the matter is like he's gonna have to come back with some sort of a jump shot in his game, right? Yeah. But Tobias Harris being able to create and being, you know, we saw at, at points at the end of the regular season last year where Tobias was effectively operating at some points as a backup point guard, right? We were calling a Toby ball for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he was grabbing rebounds and he was, he was um, bringing the ball down the floor. And he, he can see sure. some things in, in those kind of senses of, of the being able to rebound and go coast to coast in a similar way to Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. And he's obviously a much better shooter. I think giving him a bigger focus in this offensive set and yeah, this yeah. offensive system is is probably going to benefit him a lot where he's not just being a spot-up shooter. Well, he's going to be more assertive, like having signed a long-term contract here, like understanding the system, knowing what his role in the system is this time around versus last year, I think he was like deferential at times because he was sort of trying to feel his way into it with a, in a... And not overstep. Because, no, not because, overstep because, 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 because JJ you know needs his touches, Joel needs his touches, uh, Ben and Jimmy need their touches as well. So and I think last the Jimmy year, part of it's huge too because there, there was this idea these guys were both brought in. You know, Jimmy was brought in first. I think there was a, a fact that Tobias, one, didn't want to overstep Joel, mm-hmm, obviously. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to overstep or make Ben Simmons uncomfortable. But then you also know, having not played with him before, yeah. just knowing him by reputation, no, it's the like kind me, of guy that Jimmy Butler is, you especially don't want to piss him off right, right. and then make it seem like you know everything was fine until you got there. It's like me coming into this office on my first day in this office and telling intern Joe that he's got to go sit somewhere else. I'm going to move your lunch out of the fridge. I'm going to put my stuff in there. You know, I'm going to respect everybody who was in this office, who Look came before. Wow. In this office, wow. you know, but that's what Tobias was doing. So listen, 
his, but this, is, this is why I, I keep hammering the point home where I think he has more to give because you only have to look back to last year. Here's, here's some of his declines. Here's some of his drop-offs from 55 games at the Clippers to 27 games at the Sixers, all right? Um, field goal attempts, 15.5 to 14, 14.8, all right? So not huge, but he was, he was taking one less shot, about one less shot um, per game here. His field goal percentage went down from 49.6 to 46.9, all right? Um, he took more three-pointers up 4.7 from 4.7 to 5 because he was standing in the corner mm-hmm. half the time. Um, his three-point percentage dropped from the Clippers to the Sixers, 43.4% to 32.6%. Um, he was taking one less uh, two-point attempt, um, and his points dropped from 20.9 to 18.2. His free-throw percentage went down, too. Um, he wasn't getting to the line as often. Uh, four free throws per game with the Clippers to 3.3 with the Sixers. See, I think with Tobias, it's a couple things. It's number one, um, there were times last year uh, where he was like phenomenal attacking closeouts, you know, especially in that Toronto series with with how good Toronto was rotating. And I'm drawing this out to help illustrate my point just for me mentally so I can make it. Rotate, rotation, rotation. Third guy is Tobias on the other side of the floor. He would attack those closeouts brilliantly. Sometimes he was deferential, though. Like sometimes mm-hmm. he just wouldn't do it for whatever reason. Um, he's got to be stronger at the rim too. Like he's taken, um, he gets a shot blocked at the rim. I think pretty frequently because um, he's not like a strong finisher at the rim. He's a great um, spot up shooter. He's great at backing down smaller guys. Um, he can get to the free throw line. Uh, the free throw line. Now, it's like okay. you're, you're, yeah. you're in English mode because the uh, the U.S. team is playing England. Oh, uh, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. Those, yeah, oh, my gosh, you, I got to yeah. hear from those complainers one more time. Well, Megan Rapinoe wasn't in the starting lineup, and everybody was, like, freaking out and saying all this, like, Donald Trump bull- bullshit as if, like, that has anything to, to do with it, you know? Of course it um, does. But we have our great um, Crossing Broadcast logo on here, so we're, we're doing that. Um, sac- we're sacrificing the game um, to bring you the Crossing Broadcast. So, um, Tobias Harris, I just feel like he's got more to give. And with Jimmy Butler not in the picture, like, to me, I think that's the main thing. Now, now I, don't, I don't see, I still see problems where, okay, like, regardless of who the hell they, they brought back and what this lineup looks like, if, if Joel, if one of Joel or Ben doesn't take the next step, then it's a moot point anyway. You know, because you're still going to have problems where Joel's going to, Ben's going to drive, he's going to get walled off. He's going to kick the ball out. Joel's going to be standing there wide open on the three-point line, you know? And Brett Brown said last year that he didn't really, he wasn't really bothered by that, by him taking trailing threes. Because, look, like, you, you just, you can't have a dude who's seven foot two and, like, 200 whatever the hell pounds, no matter how great a shape, he, even if he comes back in the best shape of his life this year, you can't have Joel Embiid running rim to rim for uh, 75 possessions a game for you know, 70 games a year, right? Okay, so Horford helps alleviate some of that just by letting, uh, would you just tell Embiid to sit every back-to-back? Yeah. If I, I told you, blank, if, I, if you went up to Embiid and said, you're going to sit every single back-to-back, you're not going to play any of those at all? Al Horford's going to play center for those games? Like, just as a blanket thing, like, regardless of what his health looks like, would you do that? I would. Because I think you follow... And do you think he you, would take it? You follow this... Oh, it doesn't matter. He has to. Yeah. You follow the same methodology of what you saw Toronto do with Kawhi Leonard this year. And I think that's your proof of concept. Yeah, and you point that, to that. That, that yeah. you go yeah. to with Joel. It's like, look, you spent last year, you wanted to go on the MVP crusade, you wanted to prove that you could stay healthy, and it didn't work. And we know that it didn't work, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So unless Joel is like committed to not only getting in the best physical shape of his life, but is also going to make maybe some better health choices off the court throughout yeah. the season, yeah, 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 yeah. or not push himself as long. Part of this comes on Brett Brown to make sure that he's not overplaying him in games. Like, there shouldn't be games that Joel's playing 
you know, 40 in minutes. Like November, or, November or, yeah. where, they don't, where it really doesn't matter. You, you know, know, if it means that it costs you a couple games early, like, I, I don't think this Eastern Conference is going to be all that stacked. I know yeah. people are kind of looking at it as in two years when Brooklyn is able to get back a, a whatever healthy-looking Kevin Durant is, mm-hmm. then maybe this Eastern Conference is a little bit more of a threat. If, if Kawhi ends up leaving, I mean, we're effectively talking about what? A somewhat debilitated Milwaukee Bucks team. I think they're weaker now without Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. And losing Nikola Mirotic, who everybody seemed to think they were going to re-sign. You'll have a Toronto team that's going to be without their focal point, right? And if he leaves, I'm guessing that Danny Green's probably going to go as well. Mm-hmm. You just have to start to think that, like, the, the likelihood of the Sixers needing Joel Embiid to play 40-odd minutes a night, those days are probably gone. And especially because you now have Al Horford, where you're not going to be this, you know, plus 14 team with him on the court and, like, minus 38 team with him off, right? Like, you're not going to run into the same kind yeah, of issues like the that crazy, you ran the into. Yeah, like the crazy on-off things, yeah. You know, in, in the postseason. So let me interrupt you real quick yeah, because this is relevant to that point. So I, at the exit interviews, I asked Joel straight up. I said, like, if you would you be open to some kind of, like, dr- like drastic whatever the hell? Because, like, in background, the first year, like, his first full year, it was kind of like the medical staff telling him what he was going to do. And then the recurring theme the next year was him wanting to have a say in it and say, like, look, you got to trust me. If I think my body's all right, you got to let me, you know, take what I say into consideration and mm-hmm. let me go out there, right? So um, I asked him, like, where are you? Would you be fine with something, like, more strict, like, regardless of how you're feeling? And he said, quote, yeah, for sure. We've already talked about it. Looking at the way Toronto, to your point, looking at the way Toronto managed Kawhi last season, obviously I don't want to miss that many games. But when you start thinking about back-to-backs and all that, obviously having a good team around you helps. Most of the time I kind of feel bad because I feel like I let everybody down by not playing or suiting up. If you see that and you know the guys are going to take over, be sure that you'll definitely win. We have the talent to do so. I guess it's an easier decision for me. So I think as long as we got it all covered, I feel like I have an I have. I'm sorry, I feel like we have an opportunity to win games without me. I'm up for it. Definitely got to take a better approach, just keep working on my body. It's only going to get better. So, okay, so everything that he just said right there is doable. So let's, let's run, run it through. Embiid sits, okay. Mm-hmm. Horford comes in and plays center. Do you have Tobias play power forward? Yeah. Or if he's, or if I, he's I playing Tobias well at three, well, keep him there. Because you, you can play Mike Scott there, you can play Jonah Bolden there. Yeah, I think Mike Scott you probably plays Kyle the floor. Yeah. The problem is I think that Tobias is able to take advantage of matchups a little bit better as a four than he does as a three. Right, I think that I think depending on the matchup that Tobias Harris yeah, bringing yeah. bringing the kind of versatility he does, bringing mm. the athleticism and the speed that he does, yeah. especially off ball, being able to you know make a guy chase him. Yeah, and if he plays small forward too, sometimes if if they play switch everything, you know sometimes he's going to get switched on the on a two, uh, ones and twos mm. every so often. I don't know if that's his, his strength, but um, you're not going to have to hide JJ Redick this year. Yeah, you know, even though he was even though JJ wasn't really much of a liability in the playoffs actually when you go back and look at it. Like they did some good jobs of hiding him there, but yeah. So like you, so say you got like Horford, you can play Tobias at the four or the three. Um, so say just say just for shits and giggles, like you have. Can I say shits and giggles? Oh, I just did. So we're gonna say Here we are. Um, have Tobias Harris play the four. Say like uh, f- I don't know. You could bring like like just for the sake of the exercise. You got Matisse Thybul come in and play the three. Yep. You know Richardson at the two, and uh, Simmons at the one. You know, you can get Zaire in there. Zaire in there. Zaire. They still have Zaire two. Smith off the bench. You still have Mike Scott off the bench. Um, Kyle O'Quinn can come in and spot Horford. Yep. Jonah Bolden, unless they get rid of him um, with the weird salary cap stuff. Yep. So to Embiid's point, like when you know you have guys that are going to take over, then it's not an issue, right? Yeah. I'm. I'm just looking at some on-off numbers for Al Horford, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, 
He's your guy in this well, one. Yeah, because it's like, look. He's your main man. You spent more time talking I about I spent more time in, in our Slack chat for the last, I don't know, month or so, saying I, the team needs to figure out a way to get Al Horford on this team. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you credit, man. And, you are, uh, you're consistent. So much man. of it was just not only the versatility of being able to play the four, and I think being able to exploit matchups, especially just based on size, mm-hmm. but then I also look at it as think about what he's going to be able to give you at the center position as a backup or as somebody to spell Joel. You look at Al Horford's on-off numbers per cleaning the glass. Last season um, was actually a, a down year defensively for Al Horford. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of that was the the splitting between power forward and center. But he was this a, wasn't he that was, was an Aaron Baines injured yeah, for a little bit too. He was a uh, sixty-five. He was in the sixty-fifth percentile of uh, effective field goal percentage allowed. He his opponent would shoot around fifty-two percent. Mm-hmm. Um, the previous year, they were only shooting 48.8% against him, which was best for, well, it was good enough for the 93rd percentile. Um, yeah. Games. Oh, there we go. We got the sound drops. So make sure everything. the drops work. Yeah. Just amazing. hold them into the law. That's amazing. Um, and then you look at him as an offensive, an offensive initiator of sorts. Like, if you go back, I mean, here, I'll show this to the folks at home. You take a look at anywhere that there's a dark orange, that means that the guy's in somewhere around the top 10 to top 5 percentile among his uh, position category per cleaning the glass. And you look at it last year, you know, with him on the court, they effective, well, he effectively shot 56% from the field, um, puts him in the 94th percentile mm-hmm. among mm-hmm. bigs. He's an efficient scorer, and he's also somebody that you can rely on defensively to make the opponent's life, you know, a bit of a living hell. I'm just looking to pull the frequency numbers against. Um, yeah, it's effectively the same thing. I think that the way that they're going to be able... like You think about the way that the league is, has changed, right? Golden State losing Kevin Durant, losing Klay Thompson for the majority of the upcoming season due mm-hmm. to the ACL tear. Mm-hmm. This fundamentally changes the way the teams are going to approach or should approach building a team. Because where in the past it's been, you've got to make sure that from one through five, you're able to have a switchable team. And a team, I don't know what happened. That was Kyle and Bob. So there's some like, squealing yes. going on in the background. I don't know if that is. Probably something to do with the sports book. Um, <laughs> Sugar House, or oh, that's right. I'm supposed to plug that at some point. Remind me. Okay. Um, you know, I he's talking about ten dollars. Uh, okay. okay. Um, I, I just think about the way that you're going to build a team going forward in this league, mm-hmm. and where everybody had to be switchable before, and that was how Houston tried to continue to build their team so that they yeah. could match up better against Golden State. The Sixers are fundamentally changing the game for the NBA. Well, doesn't this? I mean, look, and this will segue me into the Jimmy Butler thing. Sixers, Ooh. Sixers want to switch everything. Yeah. Is it? Listen, James Butler, the adult Ooh. in the room. The Sixers want to switch everything. You can switch everything in this in this lineup, yeah, for the yeah. most part, right? You don't want Tobias Harris guarding ones and twos, but I mean, whatever. He um, but in a pinch, he probably yeah, yeah, sure. Probably twos more than um, that, you know, they want to move the ball. The pass is king. You know that Brett Brown reiterated at the exit interview. So, does this grouping not fit his philosophy and what they want to do more than having Jimmy Butler play middle pick and roll? There's nobody on this team, with the exception, I would, I would argue, of Joel Embiid, where possession can go to die. Meaning, I think Joel, a lot of times, you'll see him hold the ball seven seconds on a shot clock yeah. until he decides if he's going to be assertive and take that shot or if he's going to pass it off. And that's, that, that's another spot where he's got to, where he's got to he's improve this year. The Still recognizing like digs and double teams and, like, yes. and, and stuff like that. And, and Ben Simmons can help Ben Simmons can help him out with that. Um, 
you know, by being any kind of a threat. Yeah. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this. Here's like a sports radio topic, like a poll kind of poll kind of question. Breaking news. What do you think has to? What, what do you think would happen first? Ben Simmons of ads. We'll just call it like a respectable jump shot, right? Or Joel Embiid becomes like a 35 percent trailing three point shooter. I mean, because either one of well, those I would think, help the I situation, do I? I know people, I know everybody says, well, Joel Embiid's got to get his ass in the blocks, and blah, blah, right? Is that everybody says? Well, he's got to get his fat ass in the blocks. Who calls um, it fat? I'm sure it's toned. Uh, so, well, but his, 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 he doesn't have to be in the blocks. We already said he's not going to be in the blocks for 80 whatever possessions, right? Yeah. Um, so Ben Simmons can drive and kick, and they'll think, they'll think second, uh, they'll think twice. They'll think second. They'll think twice about Dublin walling off Ben if Joel Embiid is a respectable enough trailing three-point shooter that he's he's hurting other teams doing it, you know? Present me those two options again. So what happens first? Ben Simmons develops a respectable jump shot or Joel Embiid becomes a 34.5% trailing three-point shooter? I'll answer that question after a word from our sponsor. <laughs> This episode of Crossing Broadcast is brought to you over by our friends at cinch.com. That's with a Y, C-Y-N-C-H.com. Have you ever had that moment where you're getting ready to go out and grill and you realize my propane tank is pretty low? We're running on E. It's that moment, you know, you're on the highway, Kevin. Sometimes you like to drive, maybe, in that truck, if that's what you want to call it. And you realize that the, the indicator light goes on, but you decide that you're gonna to try to push it for another 15 or so miles. And if you run out of gas, you run out of gas. Sometimes it happens when you're grilling. You realize the propane's running low, and you don't wanna haul that sucker all the way to your local convenience store. What if I told you there's a way to exchange a tank of propane from the comfort of your own home? That's what the folks at Cinch by Amerigas have brought to you and to your home. Go on over to cinch.com, use the Crossing Broad promo code, it's lit5, no apostrophe, bad grammar, I know, it's lit5. You'll be able to get a $10 full new propane tank. All you have to do is leave your existing propane tank that's running on E, maybe an old one you have stored away in the garage or the shed. Leave it on your porch, leave it on your driveway, leave a special note. All you have to do is go on over to cinch.com, use the Crossing Broad promo code, it's lit5, get a $10 brand new tank of propane from the comfort of your own home. You pick the delivery date, put in your address, that's it, that's all. Pay online, and uh, the fine folks from Central come out. They actually did it to my home recently. Left an old, uh, an old one, I didn't even know if they would take it, but they take any propane tank, left it out front, and I had a brand new propane tank from Cinch. It's pretty awesome. Again, promo code, it's lit5, I-T-S-L-I-T-5. And uh, big thank you to Cinch. They are the uh, number one, I believe, propane delivery service. Available in the Philadelphia metro area, go on there, check and see if they deliver to your address. And if they don't, DM me on Twitter at JoyOnBroad or him on Twitter at Kevin underscore Kincaid, and we'll look into it. So here's a good question from Vince Quinn at WIP. Why did Jimmy Butler choose Miami when Wildwood is an hour and a half away? <laughs> South Beach, you know, Wildwood, I mean... No disrespect to Wildwood, but it ain't no uh, South Beach, that's for sure. Was it Wildwood's was a little more like down, down home. It's more of a blue collar. It's more of lunch a lunch pail, pail kind of. Oh, yeah. Cigarettes in the sand kind of uh, kind of town. Was it South show? Beach is kind of fake. There's a lot of like, I don't know, 
a lot of posturing going on. Was it this show that I brought up my thoughts on going to the, the Jersey Shore? The Kardashian store down there. Was it this one, or was it the soccer? Was it It's Always Soccer? Where that I brought, you brought up what? That I brought up my thoughts on everybody going to Jersey and acting like it's the greatest thing. Um, I think that was on Crossing Broadcast, but was um, okay. that was like such a typical I just thought, Schuylkill County. Well, thing, you yeah. know what? I, I'm going to say like if you're in Schuylkill County and you have to mm-hmm. drive three odd hours to Jersey or fly mm-hmm. roughly three hours. To the Dominican Republic mm. or to Mexico. That's a, I hear you. Get the all inclusive resort. I Indeed. hear you, man. As Alan Iverson. I'm going to tell you why Jimmy Butler you. chose Miami because he's a fraud. Is that your? Are you doing he's just the a fraud, fraud thing? You can't. You can't continuously say that you're the most real guy in the sport and say that winning matters and then go play for Miami, where by the way they've now shipped out Dragic, right? Hassan, did they? Did they move him? Did they move Dragic? They did not. No, he's still, no, Miami. He's still no. In Miami. He's whatever. Hassan Whiteside's gone. Like, you need to tell me who exactly that team has that's going to make them a formidable contender in the Eastern Conference. Like, if you're Jimmy Butler, if you would just... Should have seen it coming if, when we had that goofy press conference with him where he was talking about the weather. He was talking about how warm it was. Yeah. And then Tobias Harris got kind of, like, annoyed that we were talking about the weather with him. Do you remember that one at all? You remember that one, Joe, I was literally you? just watching it, like, yeah, like it was funky. Like we, I somebody just asked, like Jimmy, what got India? You know, he's like, oh, it's like seventy degrees and blah blah blah, and it's really nice. And um, he wasn't joking. Like it was like warm weather, and he was excited about it. He <laughs> played better. So we got into this That's whole funny. thing. Like we got into this whole thing about with the Wells Fargo Center. Like, uh, well, there's ice underneath it. Is it colder in the Wells Fargo Center? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, we asked Reddick about it too, and he's like, "Yeah, there is a difference between play, playing playing in the arenas that have uh, that are ice hockey and basketball arenas." Um, but, but then it's like, then it got into this thing with Jimmy Butler, where we just kept talking about like weather or whatever. Um, whether the weather be cold or whether and like the weather Tobias, be hot. Tobias is just like looking at him, like, "Why are we like talking about?" He's this? a Brooklyn guy. Remember all the, uh, the and, New York and Jimmy's a Texas a week ago, dude. They, Jimmy's they got, a Texas dude. They got super yeah. excited about, you know, he was. Uh, he had a, a pass with Kenny Atkinson, the Brooklyn yeah. head coach. Well, well, listen. I mean, there there were there were d- different reports on whether or not they did offer Jimmy five years or whether they didn't. Yeah. I mean, do you? What do you believe? I don't care. I got I'm the not ask- asking whether you care. No, or not. I'm, well, I'm asking if you I'm believe if you believe that he because like all these people want to say Jimmy's a fraud, blah blah blah. What if the Sixers just never offered him? I'm fine with that too. Okay. I got the outcome I wanted. Right. My okay. my, my perfect outcome. And all of this was bring back Tobias uh-huh. and let Jimmy go, preferably for some kind of a valuable asset. You weren't going to get that in the form of a draft pick. Yeah. Um, I was higher when, on, on Tobias too. I think than Jimmy. I think I think Slack would would. Uh, there's there's that, that there's that old adage about like sunken costs shouldn't weigh into future expenditures. But when you think about like what the team gave up for Jimmy Butler, Dario Saric, mm-hmm. a guy who was practically given away to Phoenix, right? was seen almost as a, I mean, realistically was kind of a throwaway in the Butler move. Robert Covington, who's a solid 3 and D, at, what, $16 million a year mm-hmm. and a second-round pick. It's a great contract. That's not, that's not terrible in terms of, of value. Even if Jimmy Butler walks in, you get nothing back for him. Mm-hmm. I could make the argument that just for the sake of clearing cap, as, as good as Robert Covington was and as much as people want to point to analytics on him, like, I was fine with that. If, if you walk away with nothing, it's, it's fine. Any kind of a real asset that you'd get back would be a net positive. I looked at when they were rumored to be in talks for some combination of Eric Gordon or P.J. Tucker 
or maybe a third team getting involved. I know a lot of people were really in love with the idea of Spencer Dinwiddie getting traded from Brooklyn. It never made sense. The idea that like Brooklyn, well, that was that, just that, a, that was just a to thing that work. like to, yeah, it's an and have Clint Capella go to Brooklyn. It was like, well, that was never going to work because you knew that they were going to want to have Kyrie and KD, or they were going to be in play for it. Um, Eric Gordon would have been exciting. PJ Tucker, to some extent, would have been exciting, just as as guys that could contribute and could shoot the ball. Mm-hmm. Them being able to get Josh Richardson, I think, is is massive in all of this. And this is why I say, I th- this is why I say, like, I don't really care. If Jimmy got offered five-year max, a four-year max, if they offered him under the max, if they didn't offer him anything, if the Woj report that initially came out that the Sixers were ready to move on from the experiment altogether, if that's true, like, that, again, that doesn't really change how I felt about this. Mm-hmm. I th- like conceptually, if you could have brought Jimmy Butler back for a year, then okay. I feared what the long-term ramifications of him being here would have been. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who I think has been run into the ground on two different teams with Tom Thibodeau in both Chicago and Minnesota. He's a guy who is by no means on the younger side of, uh, of his age. No, I mean, right? a, five-year, a five-year deal would have taken him to 34, 35. Yeah, Years so. three, four, and five. But like, by that point, I think he's, he's going to be around he's 40. Well, because he's not going to get good. Because you know, Miami, if his contract, if four years takes him to age 33, he can probably still get something yeah. uh, not great at that um, age. But we yeah, saw if, he, if he wanted to make the most money, it would have been... We saw what, what did, happened with, with Kevin, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson. You continue to play extended minutes, season after season. I mm-hmm. get it that Jimmy Butler has never been like to the finals. He's never had to do multiple deep playoff runs in a row. Get it. You just think about the, the cumulative effect of the minutes that he played, the number of games that he played. I won't be surprised if at some point he blows out some kind of muscle in his leg in the first two years in Miami, and years three, four, and five are a disaster. Or sorry, years three and four are a disaster. Yeah, I don't. I mean, look, listen. Josh I, I Richardson didn't think is that. like if if you look at this as as a whole, Josh Richardson, I think at at his price and at his age, is a better version of Robert Covington, or has the potential to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Al Horford is certainly a much, much, much better version. He's better than the ceiling that Dario Saric had at the four. All right, so what's uh, You've gotten better? So let's wrap the Sixers up here and move on to the next topic of. What what's this? Is this is this team is this team capable of going to the finals? Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, if you it look down, it depends on, it, depends it, on where Kawhi's at. Kawhi, Does Kawhi come back? If Kawhi no, comes no, back, then I think it's tougher. To, say he goes. Well, say Kawhi goes to the Lakers just for the hell of okay. it. Uh, Kawhi not uh, Kawhi and the Lakers. Does that clear enough uh, enough for the Sixers to um, get past the Bucks and go to the finals? The Bucks don't scare. The Bucks didn't scare me this postseason. Well, and now the thing with them, too, is that you have two guys in Horford and Embiid who can both defend Giannis. You have a third guy you know, who, if he's motivated instead of and, just and throwing continues, Joel out there the to, whole continues time. to work on his defense. Mm-hmm. Physicality-wise, like if you line these guys up side by side, yeah. Ben Simmons and Giannis should be able to match up. Sorry, I'm distracted. I got all these, okay. these British wankers um, in my not Twitter feed. Not wankles, he's but in the back wankers. Office. Yeah, these British um, people who think they invented... The sport of soccer, they did actually, but um, just talking all kinds of shit. Um, but it's last upsetting. time I checked, they're losing. So you know, if you invented the sport and you're the best, best of all time at the sport, then you'd think you'd be winning. But uh, they're losing two to one. Um, all right, what do you want to do next? Do you want to do? Do you want to make a Flyers point? I don't have a Flyers. You point. don't have a Flyers I'm point. Upset. Do they do anything in free agency? No. Okay. No, they signed a bunch of guys who are going to be assigned to the fans. All right. Well, that's your Flyers point <laughs> of the podcast. We did Sixers. Do you have an Eagles point? Uh, training camp. That's your Does, Eagles. Let me point? ask you a question about. 
about training camp coverage. Mm -hmm. Do you care? No. No. What's the most important thing to come out of training camp? Like if Carson if you, if, Carson Wentz with a healthy. I don't mean it like that. Everything. Let me, let me rephrase this. Yeah. Trying to get information from the media. What's the most important thing? Like if you got to sit down all of the Eagles media uh -huh. and say, this is what I need from you during training camp. Mm -hmm. What does that content look like? What do I need from them? Yeah. Um, like what's the essential content that they should provide I don't from really training need, camp? I don't need anything. <laughs> I don't know. Just like nuts and bolts like, you know, how does Carson Wentz look? You know, how does the, um, the knee, how's the knee and back holding up? Do you want numbers? How's do you want to know how many, how many receptions Deshaun Jackson has. Do you want no, it but, tracked but on I how do many the people? same thing. We do the same thing. Like I I've I you know, I share twenty seconds of Matisse Thibel shooting three pointers and everybody's like, uh, oh smooth stroke, you know, he's yeah. ready to shoot forty percent this year. I I don't know. Um it's just that's it's all just oversaturated in general. Um I'm just interested in the big storylines, you know, guys who were coming back from injury, how do they look? You know, a bunch of dudes who were not there at uh well, they did do the mandatory uh, minicamp, didn't they? I don't know. I'm just kind of whatever on the Eagles until the season actually starts because, of course, then we're going to be, like, hammering it into the ground, you know, once that starts. So I feel like I need to remove myself from that as much as possible. I don't know. That's a good question. I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer. Like, uh, just give me the big nuts and bolts things, you know? This is when I unfollow all of the Eagles writers. Do you do an off-season unfollow? I do. I do an un I, I, I don't. I, I don't do the muting. I'll yeah. unfollow until the season because... Okay. I don't need to see six different reporters tell me that Deshaun Jackson dropped the ball or that Nelson Aguilar hasn't caught a pass all day. Yeah, I mean, that, that doesn't stuff, do anything that to does, change anything because then well, the preseason like, actually hits and, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I like how, like, uh, Kemsky, for instance, does this, like, you know, uh, 10 reasons why this team's going to be trash or whatever, That's trying fine. to find some fun, different stuff. There's always, like, good stories to tell, but... Um, but I'm saying, like, in my Twitter feed, I don't need to see six different guys, seven different No, I guys. get it. I get it. It's just, I, I think people would say a lot of the stuff, same about all the other sports, too, you know. Um, I don't need to see Mark Fultz videos anymore. I don't need to see this or whatever, but you know, big storylines and whatnot. Um, all right, so Union we did point. the four for four. RJ Allen, big signing today. Big signing for the Philadelphia Union. RJ Allen, we'll talk about it on It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia. Um, do you want to do a hard turn to Kaepernick? No. Hard right Yeah, hold on. There. Hard left turn? I want to talk about Angelo Cataldi for a second. <laughs> Angelo Cataldi had the following to say as I go into my Gilbert Gottfried, Angelo Cataldi. <laughs> he tweeted this today. <clears throat> Let me get this straight. The Sixers just let Jimmy Butler go, and now they're about to reward Ben Simmons with a five-year, $170 million extension? Who was the go-to guy in the playoffs, Butler or Simmons? And now Ben gets the money that Jimmy didn't? Dumb! Exclamation point. I want to point out a couple of things. One, this is a very Trumpy tweet. The dumb at the end, this either means that now Spike Eskin is running his account, he's ghostwriting, or... Cataldi has been watching too much of Trump's Twitter. The dumb at the end is out of character, and I think it's sad. This is a stupid take on a lot of different levels. I just wanted to get your reaction. Uh, <laughs> I have no reaction. It was just good to see one of your impressions. Um, you got to squint, too. In person. The Gilbert. Um, I'd like to see Bernie Sanders. Can you do Bernie Sanders? That's later. Do you have to make the, you have to I, make I, the I, hand the hands, motions the to, to, to act it? Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> Um, Here. Yeah, I don't really have a, um, a reaction to that. Question, question from Twitter. Okay. Uh, you can bring in one of these guards on the veterans minimum. TJ McConnell, Nick Stauskas, who do you go with and why? That's from at Salts Monster. Hmm. TJ or Nick Stauskas? Uh, well, I already know that 
TJ's a liability in the playoffs. I mean, he had to come out of the rotation. One of the first moves that Brett Brown made in the playoffs was that he took TJ out of the rotation, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me to justify bringing anybody back who is not usable in the postseason. He can't bring back Bobine. He can't bring back TJ. Um, and, and part of it, too, is because TJ, like, regardless of everything else, um, you do encounter the same shooting floor spacing issues with him as you do with Ben because okay. TJ's not going to... So he's not going to shoot a three-pointer unless he's wide. Has six wide seconds open. to load Yeah, up. yeah. So, Lock and so load. I, I don't, I, I, you know, like they did last year, Jimmy Butler ends up being the secondary ball handler. And that was as much, that kind of killed two birds with one stone because you needed a backup point guard, but you also needed to, him to get his, like, middle pick and roll looks yeah. too. So I don't know. Um, Shake Milton can handle the ball a little bit. That's Josh, Josh Richardson can handle the ball a little bit for sure. You yeah, got to pick uh, one or the other. Um, Stauskas. But it has to be on the veterans minimum. Isn't that sad? You need shooting. I mean, we, 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 every we, we, Philadelphia 76er <laughs> should be contributing <laughs> in some way, shape, or form yeah. to the salary of one Nick Stauskas or TJ McConnell. It's pretty good in person. I gotta give you no, that. No, 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 no. It's pretty good. It's um, gonna be a shame when he like flames out really quickly. I don't know. They need, they need, they need shooting, man. They need shooting. Point. Would you take Jamal Crawford? I, I wrote a whole thing last year. Last offseason or I think about, about Jamal about Crawford, Jamal Crawford. Okay. about so, being a guy coming off the bench and, so you and dropped you twenty. So t- you would have took him at age thirty eight. Would you take him year. at age thirty eight? You know who I really want? I want Vince Carter. No, you don't. I, I'm dead serious. I'm the biggest Vince Carter fanboy this side of the Mississippi. Um, is he still out there? What's he doing? He didn't he retire? Oh he didn't, no, he retire. didn't retire. One more year. Okay. Here's the thing. Vince Carter is the guy who got me into basketball. Mm. It wasn't the overrated Philadelphia player who was like a, a poor man's Russell Westbrook. Um, I, I like the guy who, you know, could make magic happen, flying above the rim, <laughs> who revolutionized basketball. Well, that segues us. In the great us, white north. It segues us very nicely into the, into the... i buy a jersey. Well. Segues us very nicely into uh, the Colin Kaepernick topic. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. We're going to take a light turn to that um, topic. Because um, everybody's talking about it, Russ. This is the part of the podcast where you try to avoid the conversation entirely. Did not see the uh, the last podcast we did. I tried to do the I did the Andy Reid thing, and I ended up talking to myself for like fifteen minutes because you, did. you didn't want to have an Andy Reid take. Here's my I don't know do, why. Do were my, you like were you trying? Did, were you being trying to be sensitive to the situation or something? I was did you just to be sensitive, did you yeah. not have you didn't have the guts to take on a hard topic? Oh, that's just really hurtful. Um, so I, I did not I did not expect the uh, the Betsy Ross heel turn. Who knew she was a closeted racist all well, those years Well, you know, ago. too, by the way, that the, the historians, um, and I don't know many of them, but I'm told that the historians dispute whether or not Betsy uh, was the one who actually sewed the flag. So really? So is, is this an issue? So yeah, we're calling it the Betsy Ross flag who's anyway. Who's on her for designing it? Allegedly designing it? Allegedly sewing it? Were they upset that the stitching wasn't I don't know. I guess maybe somebody else made it, but... Um, you know, minor details, I don't know. So look, all right, so just a backstory here. Backstory here, Craig. Um, they, uh, <laughs> that's how O'Reilly, Bill O'Reilly used to do the... Oh, um, uh, that's right. Yeah. The, you were in the no-spin zone. Wow. Uh, so Nike was going to release these shoes that had the Betsy Ross flag on the, on the heels, right? Like uh, the 13 stars and like the... Um, you know, the stripes, right? It was like the early colonial flag, right? Okay, so 13 stars to represent the original 13 colonies. Uh, you see it flying everywhere in Philadelphia, right? In um, classrooms. 
Seen in classrooms, um, the Philadelphia 76ers, the City Edition uh, uniforms have the 13 stars. Now, the Philadelphia Union logo has 13 stars on the, on the bottom. Um, the Sixers logo itself, above the seven, has the, has the circular stars on it too. So uh, I guess what happened was that, according to the Wall Street Journal, Nike is yanking a USA-themed sneaker featuring early American flag after NFL star turned activist Colin Kaepernick told the company that it shouldn't sell a shoe with a symbol that he and others consider offensive, according to people familiar with the matter. Um, Nike has chosen not to release the Air Max One Quick Strike 4th of July. The shoes were made to like, uh, 4th of July is two days from now. They were made, um, I guess, to honor that, or in celebration of the 4th of July. Okay. Uh, it featured the old version of the American flag, a Nike spokeswoman said. After images of the shoe were posted online, Mr. Kaepernick, a Nike endorser, reached out to company officials saying that he and others felt the Betsy Ross flag is an offensive symbol because of its connection to an era of slavery. Uh, some users on social media responded to posts about the shoe with similar concerns. Kaepernick declined to comment. So I think one of the things that they cited in the article um, was this idea that like some hate groups, some far-right groups, some fucking weirdo idiot groups um, like co-opted the flag, used it in some of their imagery of, you know, similar to the way in like Nazi Germany took the swastika from uh, like like Norse mythology or whatever, they took the sun wheel, right, and they, they used it as their own thing, right? So because those groups co-opted it and used that imagery, sure you can make the connection to this hate group uses this and blah, 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 right? Um, so number one, like my, my main response to that, Russ, um, is that if, if uh, some... What are we talking about? You walked in during the, the lightest, the like lightest part of the lightest part of the conversation. This is just like TMC. We're talking about the Kaepernick thing. Oh. Talking about the Kaepernick. Oh, thing. fuck him. Right. <laughs> here, here. Oh. Wow. Can, I, can I chime in on the Kaepernick? Yeah, here, come here. No, Kevin had a great take. Here. Kevin had a great take. Well, let me finish the take first. I'll take this. Be gentle. Okay, go ahead. So, like, look, okay, so if, if a group takes a symbol, an icon, and appropriates it, um, what's our response? To so just sit there and let them have it and say, oh, we can't use this because this hate group took this? No, I mean, the response should be, it's not your symbol. It's our symbol. It's a symbol of the American flag, what the American flag used to be. You can't have that imagery. You can't co-opt that imagery. You can't bastardize that imagery and use it for something that it wasn't meant to be used for, you know. So that's a, that, to me, that's the first order of business, you know, this, this notion that we're supposed to cave in because the Ku Klux Klan or some other idiots took something and turned it into what it really is not, right? The other half of it for me is like, you know, I already, I, we already named like the Sixers logo, the Union logo, uh, blah blah blah. Other things that it's that it exists on, and why it's not like. It, so what's next? If if we find the flag offensive in that format, are we going to take it off the Sixers uniforms? Or are we going to take it off the Union crest? Blah blah. blah. Um, so I think we got to go back to the beginning here. Like Kaepernick's message was, um, you know, to raise awareness for systemic racism and social injustice in mm -hmm. the United States, in the contemporary United States, yeah. right? Twenty nineteen United States. So th I'm sitting here thinking, like, does this does this help? his message at all, you know, going back in time and saying that this symbol is offensive because it's associated with an era in which this happened. See, the fallacy there to me is like, okay, just because symbol or imagery X existed in time period Y, 
Um, it doesn't mean that it's automatically one thing or another. Like, it yeah. just stood for the 13 colonies. Yes, it happened to exist at a time where some people kept slaves and some other negative things were happening. But it doesn't automatically mean that anything associated with that, with that area can, can automatically be linked to something like that. So that's, that's the, the problem to me right there. I, I don't think it, like, I'm not sure... It doesn't, it doesn't help his message because, again, people couldn't get over the fact that he was kneeling during the national anthem when he, was, he and other people were saying, it's not about the flag. It's not about the flag. It's not about disrespecting the flag. It's about racism and it's about social injustice. So when you have a story like this, people are just going to make that association. Again, oh, it's about a flag. Um, when really, it's, again, it's, it's, it's not, but he's associating this with the time in which other things happen. So number that's the biggest takeaway for me. Like I don't know... I don't know. I feel like he's doing himself a disservice by taking away from the message that he originally set out to spread, you know, in 2016, right? Um, you know, and furthermore, like, it's, it's saying, like, yes, negative things did happen in the past. You know, slavery, Jim Crow, segregation, Trail of Tears or whatever. Like, it's, we, we can't sit here and blindly say, oh, Mer America never did anything wrong, blah, blah, blah. But... You know, yes, we've, you know, our grandfathers and great-grandfathers fought in World Wars One and Two, technological, engineering, medical advances, stuff like that. You take all the shit, you lump it into one thing, you take the good and the bad with America, and you try to, like, move forward. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't see the productivity of just, of revisionist history and going back to 1795 or 1792 or whatever it was and saying this was offensive because this also happened in whatever like to me I just don't really I don't see how that serves any greater purpose how is that was that is fair like, I don't know it would be like in, in oh, I don't even have the mic you don't have a microphone I but Kyle's got to commandeer the mic <laughs> I've got the mic. I've commandeered the mic here. I, so, no, like, so I walked by. Did you get me, Craig, saying, fuck him? Okay. So let me explain that a little bit. <laughs> so this does not flow with that Yes, context. please. Let's, let's add some I, color. I agree with everything you just said. So, but I'm going to add on to that. Like, and the reason I kind of said, fuck him, it's like, it, to your point, he's pissing all over everything that is America, right? Mm -hmm. And while I totally under sympathize and encourage his main goal, which, you know, originally started out as, you know, police brutality and all that stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And it seemed to morph into this all-encompassing thing. And if you wanted to use the national anthem as a platform, that was their whole thing. We're going to use this as a platform to bring attention to an issue we care seriously right, about, right? Right, right, right. But now with the shoe thing and with, you know, some of the other things that's happened along the way, yeah. they're using, they're basically just pissing all over everything that is America. So this no longer has anything to do with the platform. Right, People said, right. it's not about America, it's not about our anthem. We have this opportunity that's a little bit symbolic in a football game when cameras are on to use this platform to do X, right? That was the initial point of it. Right, right, right. right now right. it's almost like it's about pissing on anything that is American, right? And in the case of the stars from 19 or 1776 or whatever, it's like, hey, this happened during a shitty time in America. Does that mean everything that happened from the 20s to the 60s where racism was rampant? Like, we have to yeah, gloss yeah, over and to yeah. your point. Like, there's so many good things about America that it stands for that you said about, like, medical and technological innovations. Like, all mm -hmm. the good things about America are also wrapped up in the bad things. And mm -hmm. I think at a certain point, like you said, you do a disservice to whatever your point is, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If... 
you lose what the initial effect of the national anthem thing was and just tie it into everything. Yeah, yeah, because, his, because he, should have, he should have been spending this time trying to, let me see the camera, he should have been taking this time trying to narrow the focus. When people were losing focus of the message, which was systemic racism, police brutality, social injustice, like when people were losing track of the message, he had an opportunity and other people said, no, no, it's, it's not about that, it's about this. It's not about that, it's about this. Let's not lose track of what his original protest was about. And that, now, what are we talking about? We're talking about American flag sneakers and slavery from seven, the 1700s. Again, losing track of the message, the original thing that he set out to do. So, so again, it, it's not, this turned into like, like catch-all kind of thing. And I'll use an example before I toss it back. When, you remember Occupy Wall Street? Mm -hmm. Occupy Wall Street turned into, was started because people were protesting against Wall Street, okay? And then, and Occupy Wall Street, it, legitimate gripes it, it and, more, yeah, a yeah. legitimate gripes. This was right when the banks were bailed out, correct? Right when. Which, oh, by, okay. side note, all those those big bailouts yeah. have been paid back, and it's actually a surplus for the government. Like okay. people, no, but like people will very in conversation be like, "Well, we bailed out the bank." The banks have actually not only paid back; they've paid interest. Right. Okay. Yeah, so, but, so, so, the point being, but with there that, were legitimate gripes. Like but Wall they, Street they were, fucked was, a lot of things up. There was a legitimate gripe that started with a narrow and a clear and a focused message that morphed into like a catch-all protest for anything, like whatever the complaint of the day was, right? And as a result, we lost track of okay, why are these people out here gathered in um, on Dilworth Plaza in the first place? You know what I mean? So, to me, again, trying to to kick it back to Colin Kaepernick and trying to like see it from his point of view, I don't understand how putting this out there helps helps him. How does it help you? How does it help? Uh, hammer home the message of again police brutality systemic racism social injustice he's just like to me I just keep coming back to this idea that he's like he's not helping himself like he's doing himself a disservice you know what I mean no I completely agree and I think uh, even you go back to when he wore the, the socks with the pig tops right mm -hmm. I mean you're I understand the point you're making right but you're now you're bringing attention to it in an unwanted way where you're actually encouraging violence against police. Yeah, that you doesn't, know, help, that doesn't help. That doesn't, that doesn't help, help his case. Yeah. And, and to me, this is see, this is the third thing. And then this is when people start to complain, like, okay, well, you know, then the Philadelphia sports fan inevitably says, okay, Malcolm Jenkins, right? He stands for a lot of the same things that Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed do. He goes about it a different way. Now, the counter argument to that, to that, the counter argument to that counter argument is that you can never tell people how to protest. Like, if if Eric Reed sees action A is the appropriate thing to do, fine. If Colin Kaepernick wants to do B, fine. If Malcolm Jenkins wants to do C, fine. There's no one right way to protest or to get your message across, but one format might result in your message being heard. This one may result in it not being heard. You know, I think people were more willing to understand where Malcolm Jenkins was coming from and the things he was saying because he did it in a way that was just more focused on what that message actually was. You didn't have pig socks. You didn't have complaints about American flag, whatever. You know, he held up the signs in the locker room and said, here's statistic A, here's statistic B. You know, it was just more, it was more about him trying to keep the focus on what his message was versus diluting it and, and distracting, pe distracting people and making them think about something that was irrelevant. You know? Right, and the hardcore Kaepernick people will tell you it was a sellout, and you, know, you could argue the right way to go about it. But ultimately, if you want to yeah. actually make things change, you do have to bring people onto your vision. Like, if I want to convince you of A, and whether you, know, you might not agree with A or whatever, if I want to convince you of A, it's on, you know, and I'm, I come in here and just shout at you and make you believe me, then yeah. that's not doing any good. But if we have a conversation, you know, to your point about Jenkins, like, 
you approach it reasonably and maybe you can get people to understand what it is you're trying to do. And the reason I said, like, fuck Kaepernick, it's like, you claimed it wasn't about America. You mm-hmm. claimed it was, hey, this symbolized America. It's a symbolic thing. I can use it as a platform. But, you know, and who knows who put this thing out there about the shoes. But if you genuinely had a problem with that and you go to a shoe company about putting out something as simple as, like, the, the founding American flag, mm-hmm. like, now your true colors are showing that you actually have a problem with the country. Yeah, it's yeah, not just, just about this one thing. Like, you just fucking hate being here and own it, right? Yeah. Own it. If you're like, I don't like it here, that's cool, yeah. right? You don't have to like it here, right? But don't profess to be like, oh, you know, I love the opportunities. You know, only in America is Nike paying you millions of dollars, Well, it, right? craps, like, it craps over all the good things Only do you get a fair shake, by the way. How many countries would a guy like that not get a fair shake in court and get yeah. a pay on? I know this, you know, isn't all about money, right? Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. could you go and sue over, um, you know, whatever, whatever he won his lawsuit or settled his lawsuit with the NFL, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of countries on earth, right? You can't get that sort of justice for blackballing you from a business. In fact, I would dare to say most countries, right? So if you want to be able to, you know, not take advantage of, but benefit from the systems mm-hmm. and the, the legal system we have in place and the opportunities that it prevents and to get your message out there and to work with a company like Nike and all that stuff, right? Not saying it can't happen in other countries, but, you know, you want to take the best of what America offers in some cases and then claim to not be shitting on the country, but just using certain things as a platform. And yet it seems like everything you got a problem with, you know, down to the basic fundamental of like the founding flag, that's, you know, now you're, I think you're starting to see it. You're someone's true colors. I hear you, man. And I'm totally sympathetic to his message. And I think, to your point, the way Malcolm Jenkins, we're two white guys sitting here talking about it. So I get it. You <laughs> want to protest it in other ways, right? Three white Russ, guys. You can jump in if you're you just, want, Ross. Like, I'm, I'm done. I'm walking away. Was my, was my tag ethnically ambiguous? No, but my, my point is like, if you. But it's important. Listen, Kyle, no, this, listen, no, hang on with the country. It's, it's a, we joke about being like a bunch of white guys sitting around and talk about it, but. It, it, we're the ones that are harder. Like it's harder for Malcolm Jenkins and Colin Kaepernick to get the message out to 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 this demographic, to white to white America. Right. That's that's the hardest thing to achieve is to get to get white America to listen to what you're having to say about racial inequality. So I feel like white America, um, and I feel like I can speak for white America, um, <laughs> having lived in Georgia, West Virginia, and Berks County. Um, <laughs> you are like. I know white trash, man. Nobody knows white trash like I do. And I feel like white trash is is understanding Malcolm Jenkins' message and responding to that in a more understanding way than they are Colin Kaepernick's message. So that's the biggest, that's the hardest hurdle for them is, is to reach different people, different cultures, to reach the average white dude, you know? I hear, I hear more of what Malcolm Jenkins is saying versus what Colin Kaepernick is saying, because Malcolm Jenkins has done a better job of presenting what he's trying to say and, and keeping the focus on, on those issues. And, and by the way, the, the issues and the initial point, totally legitimate, and things I think most of us sympath, like, sympathize, sympathize with, <laughs> with and understand and are all for, but certain things like this, which are, like he's totally wrong. Like It's yeah. totally such a ridiculous stance yeah. that only the most 
hardline Kaepernick supporter could actually look at this and be like, all right, this is this is absurd. Like, yeah, it's what, patently and, absurd. And, yeah. You're go, you've gone too far. Like you said, you run the risk of going down a thing where you could look around at anything in any city in America and be like, racist, racist, represents racist. Well, that guy is get, racist. I, know, that guy get, has, I disagree with you. You get diminishing returns. Right, I'm going to leave that. so you can... You can have it back. Run I gotta, away from, I gotta go run away, I gotta run go away from the argument. No, listen, Kyle. I use white trash as a term of endearment. I mean, <laughs> from one piece of white trash to everybody else out there. I think there's a problem that fundamentally there's an issue with how I think Kyle presented that. <laughs> I forgot my spoon. I need to I need yeah, to okay. get a spoon for yeah. my part. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's not it's not just that the most ardent supporter of Colin Kaepernick is gonna be the one who's going to back him on this. I mm-hmm. think there are a lot of people who are afraid of being considered a sellout if they now don't back Kaepernick on this. I feel like mm-hmm. there there is that groundswell of support that's always existed that regardless of what it is that he takes a stand against, you have to be with him on everything. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it looks like you've now lost your way in the cause. Well, that's and true. I, yeah, because you're, you're fracturing your own, like, like again, it just it comes with holding, holding people to the message and yep. saying, this, 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 is, this is the goal, okay? This is what we set out to do. Any of this other shit that does not get just, we're trying to get from point A to point B and trying to get people to understand this issue. This shit and this shit takes us this direction. We're trying to go to here, you know. And now I feel like I've said the same thing four times in a row, so maybe it's time to move on from it. But I, I just, I just don't. Again, the, the recurring theme here is I don't, I don't think Colin Kaepernick, who started out with good intentions, who wanted to raise awareness of issues that are serious issues, I don't think he's he's helping himself get from point A to point B. Because no. now we're here, and now we're here, and now everybody's talking about other stuff. So, all right. Yeah, I mean, I. I, I don't have. <laughs> this is like the last. Well, so I gotta it's go. Just, yeah, I gotta go. So we're gonna wrap this thing up. I'm just gonna um, be me. I'm just gonna talk. We to did. Did we? Co- did we want to make a, a point about? Would, would, did we get five sports in? It's a seven for seven sports podcast. We did flyers. We did t- two seconds about the flyers. We did a minute about the Eagles. We said the word Phillies on here. We said the word Union. Oh, I remember. Hey, Phillies! Uh, don't forget to go check out Bob's stuff. He just got married on CrossingBroad.com and. He, I believe, recorded a video earlier today, a betting preview for the Philadelphia Phillies. And uh, if you go over to crossingbroad.com backslash you can go pick up a, yeah. uh, a referral or a bonus, a, like a down payment bonus. So okay. go right. check out those things. Also, Joe, thanks for your help, my man. Also, it is Nemesis. It's Nemesis. Write there that down, Russ, remember that. Craig, good job filming. Um, we'll do this again. Maybe we'll be more prepared. We're um, always we're always prepared. Yeah, I just Russ want to point out to Russ people. did a good Bernie Sanders and a good Gilbert Godfrey. Mm-hmm. Um, don't forget, of course, the Crossing Broad Podcast Network is available on all the the regulars, right? Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, but now also available on iHeartRadio. A whole bunch of other things. There's Castbox. There's Pocket Cast. There's uh, <laughs> what do you? There's uh, Radio Radio Public. We're now available on a ton of platforms. Uh, you can either follow the links in the description, which is also where the uh, the link to cinch.com is going to be. Remember, promo code, it's lit5. Um, you can go in there, click on subscribe, and we're available pretty much everywhere that podcasts exist. So uh, I think that's it. Anything else you wanted to say? No, I turned my mic off. But thank you, everybody. You. We'll do it again.